Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrew, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Chris Ragg, Nick Hare and Peter Coghill of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing digital Alzheimer's. Chris, if you can start us off, are you a sufferer of digital Alzheimer's? Uh, I certainly am, yes, and I, I had a good deal of sympathy for um, Rudy Giuliani this week, who was mocked for typing just the word "you" into his uh, into his Twitter feed. Uh, and it's uh, it's something that happens to me quite regularly. Is uh, I can't quite keep hold of all of the different um, digital platforms I'm I'm operating on, from you know uh, email to you know searching in Google to typing things into, um, you know, uh, group messaging things like WhatsApp or um, uh, or Stride or Slack uh, or all of these different tools that we, we are now using. And I simply got too many, uh, too many browser windows open, too many tools I'm using, too many things I'm doing. And, and I quite often find myself doing... Um, being very confused by it all and and doing things that um, are, are yes symptoms of uh, digital Alzheimer's. So getting confused and mystified by so many digital channels, um, yes, all of which I think we've referred to as communication uh, channels, right? That's what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some yeah. I mean, some of them. It's. I, I mean, the point is, it's like um, it's like with Ed Balls Day, where he was wanting to search for for Ed Balls, but he mistakenly typed Ed Balls into his into his Twitter feed. Uh, so, so actually, some of them aren't communication channels. You know, some of them you're actually looking for something search, or trying to do something, engine. something else. But uh, my brain just can't seem to keep hold of all of these different. Uh, okay, so we're going to throw this open to the the minds of Aleph. Um, I guess I, I mean the first thing that springs to mind is we're all of a certain age, um, and I wonder if it's that if you're you know some sixteen year old kid that you just look at us all and go, what are you on about, Grandad? It's, you know, it's all pretty simple. Um, is that an avenue we want to pursue for the moment, Peter well, or Nick? Well, there is, there is some evidence about um, the effect, well, the effect of, um, of engaging with digital platforms, uh, particularly through smartphones and things, um, on uh, cognitive tasks, so on how good people are at doing cognitive things. Um, but uh, well, I don't know if we want to talk about that immediately. I feel like we haven't really covered, we should cover the symptoms in a bit more depth. Okay. Um, so, what are the symptoms? I mean, I mean, Help I've me, got, doctor. Well, I've got uh, for, so all the things that Chris was saying. Um, I mean, I just I did a bit of a personal kind of attempt to survey uh, how much, how, how many different channels and how often I I use them, you know, per day. And I reckon I get about thirty emails a day I need to sort of read, um, and about twenty personal emails a, a day on top of that. Uh, then I have usually get a few messages a day through Facebook, which obviously I want to look at. LinkedIn, I check rarely, but, you know, occasionally uh, just see if I've got any messages there. Um, and then we have these uh, instant messaging channels for the business, you know. So we have um, Glip for sort of informal activity. We've got Stride for, you know, business, strictly project-related business activity. Um, and then we also have a, a Slack for communicating with various people outside the company. Uh, and then, you know, there's sort of the bane of my life, which is text messages, of which I probably get one or two a day, but which are a nightmare because I can't, they don't, none of my, none of my sort of task management involves looking at text messages. Um, that's just comms channels. And then there's a few other things which have a sort of communication dimension. So things like um, 
you know reddit or or steam or uh youtube or the you know the bbc where you kind of feel like you want to check and see what's going on you know where there's sort of regular updates and i think all it what this does and i notice it amongst myself uh, i notice it with myself is um that it, you're constantly operating on short-term memory and and it is there is that constant feeling of opening up a browser looking something up uh finding something out typing something else in somewhere else and and never actually stopping and thinking about anything mm. um and uh you know so i'll be watching something on telly uh or on youtube and then someone will mention something and i think oh i must look that up who was that actress who's in that thing and then you look that up and then you get distracted by something else and then you realize you've forgotten what's been going on on telly because mm-hmm. you haven't been paying any attention to it and um it really feels like that's sort of normal now um, and I, it doesn't feel healthy at all okay do you use whatsapp no i've resisted getting i've got whatsapp on my phone but i'm not in any groups okay and i also, hate i hate the idea what's i cannot be doing one more thing to have sure. to read you know load of banal messages from people and then on top of this also you've probably got mobile telephone calls and yeah, you may rarely. even have actual landline telephone calls sometimes. yeah it's always a scammer in india right okay um okay so i think we sort of as you said we've defined the symptoms um peter um would you like to wade in at this point with an observation or take well, it in a new well, direction i think i'm probably the the most like that uh, millennial 16 year old um certainly in looks um, true <laughs> in, in definitely an age between the group here but uh i also suffer a bit from this um, and this is quite a big admission from Peter. I know he's normally is, telling all of us that we're. I would yeah, normally we're say big, it's our losers. fault. I would yeah. normally yeah. say it's your fault, and there's an app for that. You just haven't found it yet. Um, no, but uh, yes, it is. A, it is a problem. So I, you know, I, coping. I've developed coping mechanisms, and it, they do feel like coping mechanisms rather than kind of progressive management mechanisms. So, rocking in the corner. Rocking in the corner is definitely the last resort. But um, turning off notification, I've got something I need to do. A block of time, I'll block out a big block of time and turn off all the notifications and put my phone in the other room, or um, just so I don't get distracted because there's no way. Uh, there's no way around it, really, because it is totally distracting with these pings going off all the time. Um, and yeah, if, if if you've got a big thing to do, like a uh, important email to write and to leave some thought, then it yeah, it goes in the diary as a block of time that I will uh, everything else gets ignored when I'm when I'm working on that. I mean, what you're saying there reminds me of some Russian bloke who about five years ago wrote a book kind of on exactly the same this very subject, and his solution was to uh, lock. Um, all his devices into a cupboard for a few hours uh, every day. He had his locked in the cupboard, you know, um, time slot every day. So he had a similar approach to yourself. Yeah. I think, you know, two things occur to me. One just returns my initial question. Are we just a bunch of grumpy old men um, and just can't quite sort of cope with this and getting the TV well, I... remote control mixed up with our phones? One, that's my first yeah. question. I mean, if we were sitting with a bunch of, let's say, people who have entered the workforce, which could be 18-year-olds, let's say, working in an office environment using this kind of stuff, um, do you think they feel the same? Um, one, because we, we're, we're at that kind of, um, we, we're at a time and place. All of us were born in more or less a pre-computer world, more or less. Um, and we witnessed this massive change in comms, let's say, in digital comms over the last uh, decade or so. So is it that we're struggling to adjust? That's my first question. Um, and I can't remember my second question, but let's... Oh, actually, <laughs> as, as I'm answering the, your first question... Actually, no, I'm just, up on Google. I've just remembered my second question. 
um, rather than moaning about it and sort of saying, well, look, it's all operating on short term memory. There must we, uh, you know, in what way, let's say our professional lives have been enhanced by these various different tools. So take one or two of those, uh, Chris. Yeah. So I think um, in, in answer to your first one about whether or not it's 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 our problem and and, you know, whether our brains have lost plasticity and the ability to adapt to this new world that's that's uh burgeoning i think there's 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 some evidence for that from um sort of analogy you know so if you look at other if you look at professions where information overload is a real problem so things like um air traffic control uh you know in those professions they like to take their people quite quite young so even though it's a highly skilled profession they, they like to start sort of indoctrinating people into um uh, the way that job is done at sort of 18 as opposed to waiting till they're a postgraduate or something like that and and the reason for that is they like to sort of mold their thinking uh, early on and get them used to the task uh, early on so i think that that sort of uh, that speaks speaks to you know the idea that there there is some sense of you know the way we have learnt to deal with the world is is kind of a bit a bit set now, um, and that you know possibly younger people are better able to adapt to the, you know the wide range of uh, uh, of information. But do you think young people feel overwhelmed in the way that we do? Well, I mean, th- th- there's obviously evidence about um, you know more sort of social anxiety caused by some of these tools about you know the 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 fear of missing out and uh and also you know social ostracization caused by um by these tools but but whether they feel stressed by the very you know the the very problem of information overload or not i i i don't know well there's a lot there's there's a lot of evidence that looking at the effect of um sort of smartphone smartphone usage on um on, on various things, on cognitive tasks, on academic performance, on various other things. Some of it's quite mixed, and there's no there's no long term uh, studies either. So we don't know whether or not um, people are being negatively affected in the long term in terms of their cognitive development, particularly because there hasn't been time to measure that. But um, it seems to be fairly robust. Uh, looking at there's a meta analysis by uh, Wilmer Sherman and Chine last year, uh, looking at. Uh, dozens of studies and there's an agreement that use use of uh, sort of social media um has a definitely negatively impacts um academic performance uh both sort of strategically in that uh when schools have taken a sorry when schools have taken smartphones uh away or banned them in classrooms uh, academic performance goes up and also you know in, in between students students who use social media more get lower grades so now there's it could be a causative causation might go the other way like maybe stupid people are more likely to use social media we don't know but um uh but anyway it's enough to be to kind of say that there's probably some sort of cost in terms of academic performance now obviously you have to make the judgment about whether that cost is worth the benefit um ultimately though what is the what is the benefit like what's what do we get out of using social media because in order to decide whether this is a problem we've got to decide whether or not the whatever it is that we get from using it is worth whatever costs it might be giving now this is where i um you know i i'm not i'm not sure whether or not it's not it's not just a sort of big social arms race where we've all ended up worse off um you know in, in that uh, i think you know, the, the the effort involved in social interaction is very high. Um, it's it's something that you know where we've we've obviously it, it's very tiring for people to interact with people. And it's particularly tiring to do uh, code switching. You know, when you're when you're interacting with 
different groups uh well you have to switch between you know if you're with your friends you talk in a different way to if you're with your parents or your girlfriend's mum or whatever so you've got to perform that get that task right now the problem with um multiplicity of different platforms and channels is that all of them have different uh different sort of language forms associated with them and different behavioral norms so you know one minute you're on email and you've got to send a you know business email to someone the next minute you're on facebook and you're being jokey and sarcastic you know, and then you're on Reddit and you've got a different personality and, altogether. And not, not only that, you know, between the channels themselves. So on something like WhatsApp, you would have your, your, you know, conversation group with your friends and you would have your conversation group with your families and never the twain shall shall meet, except it's not always immediately, obvi- you know, you, it's very easy to type, you know, the wrong thing into the wrong conversation yeah. stream. And so, you, so you've got all of that. You've got the stress, cognitive stress associated with all this kind of different, so different and different types of social interaction. And then uh, layered on top of that, the inability to escape from it. That, that's what we've done. We've allowed, we, we're constantly on show. Now, it may, it may not be true. Yeah, we can put our phone in a cupboard. But our brains don't know that. You know, our brains, as far as they're concerned, we're still in the you know the center of the village in the middle of all these conversations and uh, and without and and disarmed from the physical cues of like when you're talking to your family in reality you know you can see your family and you your state of mind is affected accordingly but when you can just switch instantly from being among you know friends to you know being being alongside uh you know an elderly relative or something it's you have none of those other cues that you normally get. Okay, Peter, I'd like to hear from you. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not. I don't find that task switching particularly problem, problematic. But that maybe that's another coping mechanism I've developed, and that's why I'm I've always appear so bland and humourless in on social media. Um, so because I, I talk the same way to everybody. Um, but I think going back to your question, Fraser, about the would the 16 year old have the problem? <clears throat> I think that, um, in contrast to us, and I think why we're being such many old men about it is perhaps because we can imagine a, uh, a different, in maybe brackets, better world um, from back in the day when there wasn't this big overload, di- lots of different channels we had to manage. Uh, we had maybe one, so I grew up with email, uh, and then later on sort of um, uh, instant messaging. You, you never had face-to-face, of course. I had, well, I a, did, yeah, well, I lived, I lived miles away from anybody, so <laughs> that was very rare. Um and yeah, email was only intermittent when the phone line was working. Uh, but the yeah, so we we but we can ima- I can imagine a better world. What I find most frustrating about this is because I can imagine a better world where actually you do only have uh, a smaller number of channels and they are better designed to be more integrated with each other to to allow you to only have one browser window open that does all of your communications and you have a unified instant messaging and email. Uh, uh, system that's all in one place. This is the the one ring to rule them all sort of uh, uh, yeah, uh, theory. Yeah, yeah, and I mean obviously the, the the problem with the problem with getting to that stage is at the moment uh, all of these providers of platforms are in competition with one another. Exactly. So so yeah. they're all trying to be that one ring to rule. You know, we'll integrate with such and such, and that's why you get all these notifications, and that just makes the problem worse. Then you've got, you know, one of your one of your communication things telling you that you've just received communications on something else, and then yeah. that one telling, telling you a, back again. There's a brilliant XKCD j- cartoon which wonderfully sums it up. It so, uh, goes along the lines of, character says, there's too many standards. We need to make one unified standard. Uh, and then the ultimately just means that the number of standards is incremented by one after after that assertion. But yeah, no, but but yes, you're right, Chris. That, and that is a problem that, that all these platforms. So, 
just take these sort of instant messaging messaging apps like um, WhatsApp, Snapchat, Facebook Messenger. Um, uh, I won't list them all, but they, they they're all they're all doing the same same fundamental job. Um, why aren't they able to talk to each other? So I don't have to have all all five of these apps on my phone, be- just because that's what happens to be what the group what the group of people I want to uh, talk to happen to use. Why aren't they just one app that does them all? And like I just see these di- as different conversations within one app. I mean, do you say if we were to make a prediction, then um, do you think in the future then there'll be a, a move toward there'll be a sort of a, a uh, what's the word a coalescence is that the right word where it all comes together or do you think there'll be further diffusion fragmentation well, well yeah I, I like to think there might be in the same way that there was with things like email so uh in the early 90s uh when you signed up to aol you were unable to send emails to people who were on CompuServe because they used fundamentally different standards um but they really you know the 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 the, the corporations with their particular standard their proprietary standards uh, realized that there was more benefit in having the same standard because there's more utility in the greater network effect uh, that you get with having more users um but i don't but it, there's a danger that it might not it might just proliferate and you just end up getting more and more apps because it is a it is an important part of many business models so facebook messenger for example um getting lots of users on Facebook Messenger is a way of capturing their attention and feeding them content that you as Facebook are being paid to deliver to, to users. Okay. And being uh, freeing them up from that is, 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 is going to cost. I mean, professionally, I think Google does some sort of nice sort of bringing stuff together. Um, so yeah, I've got a really nice example. I, and I don't think it's, I don't think people talk about it enough. There's a thing called Google Wave, which was, Sort of an experiment. Wave. Sort of wave. Okay. Um, sort of an experiment, not Waze phrase. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> wave. Wave <laughs> as in surfing. Um, uh, and it, uh, it was a tool. It was sort of part experiment, part product that they tried to launch. And Google do, do this a lot. They would launch a product as, more, as, as much an experiment, see how much it, people will bite on it, as much as it's a product that they fundamentally believe in. Um, and Google Wave was one of these. And it was a really interesting uh, new take on the way that communication worked. It was a, a sort of, it blended, it blurred the lines between writing a document, mm. writing emails, and doing instant messaging. It kind of did all three mm. all at once. Um, and it uh, it was, yeah, I mean, I tried it and it was very interesting, but lacked anybody enough people being on it to make it useful and enough people on it to sort of really adopt uh, so it was it failed for sort of programmatical reasons rather than technological reasons but I, that that was a really interesting way of doing things so you'd but, have but even that i mean I, I feel like these technological solutions might slim down the experience uh, without getting rid of the fundamental problem which is the um the fact that it's always there and our, as far as our brains are concerned, if it's there, we want to be part of it, and um, and the the volume of it, and the number of the, just the number of different um, people we might be talking to. Like it seems to me that's yeah. it's it's not so much that you know oh Facebook's on one tab and email is on the other tab. It's that I've got to switch between Facebook mode and email mode, and mm. um, you know when when I when I'm thinking about what kind of communication to to deliver, um, and you know and so. When we say what, when we think of what's the what's the point, right? The problem is that we are 
sort of are, are, we have an urge to be constantly looking at these things that's and we know it's an intrusive urge if you put a smartphone in front of in front of someone they'll perform worse even if it's not their smartphone they'll perform worse at things i have discovered that i need to move my phone out of off the coffee table and and behind me onto the back of the sofa when i'm watching a film because otherwise i'll experience this urge to check it right so there is that's not a rational urge right that's like that's something that i've evolved the need and it's something to do with the need to be uh, sociable and to get a, approval from your peers that's not that's not going to be affected by changing the experience of of receiving these communications particularly so i i think there's something and the problem is that a lot of the advice is unrealistic it'll say oh well just don't turn your leave your email off turn it on at midday you know to check well no one's going to do that right it's like saying to someone who's obese oh well all you've got to do is not eat until you know until you're hungry well it's just completely unrealistic this is not it's not operating at a rational level and i and, and so i i sort of wonder if the answer is that you know if we all agree that this is an unhealthy set of norms and i think it is um you know and if you studies that have been done where they've te- where they've deprived people uh, of of you know access to things like smartphones and, and social media they always report that they feel happier less mm. stressed more productive so you know if all that's true we have to conclude it's not healthy so we've got to think of some other thing to do which doesn't just involve switching off notifications so talking of to conclude we need to um move towards a conclusion um we're getting short on time chris yeah well i was just going to say the the comparison with eating and obesity is is a good one because um you know effectively what we've done in society is break down all of the barriers that used to exist to communication. You, if you wanted to talk to somebody and have a conversation, you had to be in the same places and you had to go and see them or arrange to meet up. If you wanted to send somebody written communication, you had to send a letter, you know, and you had to put a stamp on it and there was a time delay and all that kind of stuff. What the technologies have done is effectively completely, you can talk to anybody at any time, uh, send them informal communications. There is no barrier to that. And therefore, we've just turned turn the taps on on, on everything uh, without without contemplating the, the, our ability to consume it, just as you know, in society now, food is effectively free, and you can eat as much of it as you like whenever you like. Uh, and we've got an obesity problem. I think what we are facing now is the the equivalent of you know communication obesity okay i mean it's all just so attractive and appealing and satisfying isn't it well we've never evolved in the same way we've never evolved a a desire to stop eating um because we've never evolved we didn't evolve in a circumstance where food was abundant enough for that to be worth doing um we we haven't evolved any 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 off switch that says right i really don't want social interaction our brain is always looking for social interaction information and food both used to be scarce yeah Um, yeah. yeah Um, I mean, I've got, so, but, but I just wonder if actually the thing is that if we recognise, you know how smoking has gradually turned from being something which was totally normal and people did it on tubes to being something that's really frowned on now anywhere, even in places where you can smoke, it's sort of largely frowned on. Um, and I wonder if we might, uh, if, if it's reasonable to expect there to be a change in uh, sort of digital norms so that it's considered rude to send people messages in the middle of the night or to, you know, to have your smartphone out in a restaurant. Now, I feel like... I remember first go- when I went to Italy in about 1999, 
when suddenly everyone, all, every, all kids had, had cell phones. I remember looking at this table of young Italian women. And instead of having a big, loud, shouty conversation, they were all looking at their phones. Now, this is before smartphones. And I remember thinking, that is sad. That is unbelievably sad. Um, they should have been talking to should you. Should have been talking to yeah. me. I should have been in the middle of them and, yeah. and with a cigar. And, uh, and, and, um, but I, don't, I'm, I wonder if that's, I mean, I feel like it's become more and more unacceptable to take your phone out. You know, um, it, as as it becomes more normal to have mobile phones, it doesn't mean anything. But then I read on this uh, obnoxious TechCrunch article, which was called "I Will Check My Phone at Dinner and You Will Deal With It," by this guy who's saying, you know, um, he's he's literally defending. He says, I'll, "I'd pretend to read the menu or fix my napkin just to be slightly looking straight down at my device between his his mum's line of sight." You know the drill. And he says, uh, my mother refuses to believe that, you know, this will happen, but it's happening already. You know, that it's just people sit there at the dinner checking their phones. And he's defending that and saying that's fine. Well, I just don't think that is fine. And mm. I think more people will realize how bad that is and um, and and hopefully use the equally powerful social tools of, of, of shame. Uh, to try and stop people doing it. I mean, yeah. that's that's a, that seems to me a, I, at least a plausible think, outcome. And I think I agree. I, I agree with Chris. I think there'll be a sort of no, normalisation. There'll be a match. Uh, we'll mature in the use of these technologies. This is a new thing. This is like suddenly we've discovered how to make um, tobacco. You know, uh, in the you know as it happened in the West. Not everyone started smoking. People resisted it. People didn't, even though it was quite available. Um, it's maybe not such a great analogy, but 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 we've eventually realised it's actually quite bad for us, and so we're stopping. We're doing it less and less and less. I think it's it's nice that you're you two are so hopeful, um, and this rosy view of the world and human nature. But I'm not sure if if I agree. Um, and I like the analogy that you put with um, you know, with food. Um, you know, we all know that eating so much food is not great for you because, but it's so nice. And we still have got obesity. Yeah, no, but what is, is it worse. that deters? What deters people from obesity? It's not wanting to look fat, right? It's social shame. Hmm. Yeah, I, no, that's but what more I, what and more I'm people are obese. Well, yeah, but sort of. But actually, there's also more and more of a culture of being obsessed, certainly with men, of being obsessed with what you look like and going to the yeah. gym. Is that good? I don't know. Separate podcast. But I mean, the point is that it, it at least deters people. Yeah. It acts we'll, as a deterrent. As with, as with. My hope for the use of techno- uh, communication technology with obesity will de- will learn new ways of socially managing that. And, I want I want di- this- diet Facebook. Yeah, however, whatever it looks like. So maybe some blockchain solution. I, I'm going to try and find a blockchain <laughs> solution. But the the um the but yeah the it, 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 so at the moment we're kind of reacting with um social shame. Oh, I need to I need to look good because I want to be attractive and therefore I must not eat too much. Um, but there'll be other, you know, there, there might be other ways of managing that. Okay, we need to stop there. Just before we do, one of the things I l- like least about uh, messenger uh, platforms is is how to finish a conversation. That's what I find. Well, that's the point. They never finish. They never yeah. finish. But I found a way to do it actually, and which is um, I, I use I employ the thumbs up signal. Okay. Which is kind of you know uh, the the emoji whatever it is, which is just a sign. Okay, we're like we're done. I'm really happy. This is goodbye. Thanks. That's it. Um, yeah, I like it. Well, apparently, when when the phone was first invented, there was quite a long time before people knew how to end phone conversations, uh, or even start them. Apparently, but the the standard greeting was "ahoy" when when it was yeah. first invented. Yeah. Hello was invented as a telephone word. Oh, was it was a short word. Surely not. I remember yeah. the first ever email I wrote, which was at about March 1998. 
Um, and I remember I, I put a date on it. I, I, you know, like a good sort of well brought up, well educated. To I, whom it may concern. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Okay, chaps, uh, we're going to stop there. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrew. We've been here with Nick Hare, Chris Ragg, and Peter Cockle of Allop Insights. Thanks, and until next time, goodbye. Mm-hmm.